Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Welcome back. I am recording this episode on a Monday early afternoon, and my little girl's watching a show right now. So this will be a shorter episode because I don't know how much longer I have to record the podcast before she needs me. So I apologize for the shortness of it, but perhaps another time I'll be able to do a bit longer of an episode on today's book, which happens to be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This is the book I was going to feature for my last Advent read on the podcast, but as I said, there was just so much busyness that I was not able to do it. So I have tried to work out some of the Christmas theme of it from this episode, but there may be some still lingering in it. But I really chose this book because my daughter has gone through a bit of a Narnia phase in the past few months. She first saw the movie when she was about two and a half. And we were on a trip to our cabin and I was trying to get her to sleep and I thought that she would fall asleep early on in the movie and she ended up watching the whole thing. So I thought it would scare her, but it did not. She's a pretty brave little girl, but she has loved this movie ever since. And it's really captured her imagination. So we have not read through the whole book. We've read a chapter or two together. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. She'll listen to it sometimes before bed on Audible. And we've listened to a few of the chapters in the car, but she's more willing to sit through the movie. And I don't know why than to read the book, but I am excited in future years to open up the whole world of Narnia for her. I'll start with a little summary of the story. I am admittedly a little intimidated to do that. So I am going to borrow the lovely description from my copy. It says, Narnia, the land beyond the wardrobe, the secret country known only to Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, the place where the adventure begins. Lucy is the first to find the secret at the wardrobe in the professor's mysterious old house. At first, No one believes her when she tells of her adventures in the land of Narnia. But soon, Edmund, and then Peter and Susan, discover the magic and meet Aslan, the great lion, for themselves. In the blink of an eye, their lives are changed forever. I'm sure most of you are very familiar with this story, but I read the summary for those of you who are not. And it is such a delightful story. Like my daughter... I did not read the book before I became familiar with the story. There was an old BBC production that was on PBS when I was a child. And we watched that as a family before I ever read the books. And I read the books when I was a teenager and loved them so much. So I have nothing against seeing the movie before the books. I think you will always love the books more than the movies. But sometimes it's, especially for today's generation, it helps to introduce the story and then read the books. Not always, but sometimes. As I shared earlier, I was reading this book around Christmas time. 
And it really set the tone for me for Christmas this year because it is such a beautiful picture of waiting and hope. Under the reign of the White Witch, Narnia is in a season of waiting, much like our world. The land and the souls upon it are under a spell of pervasive darkness and cold. As I read it, I thought all sorts of questions must be in the minds of the citizens of Narnia, the ones who are loyal to Aslan. When will hope appear? When will Aslan come? Will he come? I picture it as much like our questions are as we look around and see the injustices around us and and wondering, when is God going to make things new? When is he going to right all of these wrongs? When? So many questions. And so I love how C.S. Lewis brings that into this book. The children's first meeting of Aslan is awe-inspiring in a time of deep rejoicing. Joy and an encounter with what is holy reaches out from the story to our hearts. And it reminds us not to give up, but to continue to hope. It is a tangible picture of the incarnation for children, and one in which they can see that Jesus, through the picture of Aslan, has come for them too, not just for adults. And in a very personal way, he enters into their lives to know them and be known by them. I just can't help thinking how kind it was of Lewis to give children that, his respect and his honor of a child's mind in entrusting this story to them, knowing that they are able to grasp it and understand it. And is worth noting, he shows the children's very real need for redemption and healing from sin and brokenness. He's aware of all of these things in a child's life, their ability to comprehend these things, their ability to know that something isn't right in the world around them, something isn't right in their own hearts. They're they're longing to know the goodness of God, the kindness of Him, His love. They are reaching out for it just as we are. And Nowhere do we see this more plainly than in the character of Edmund. For years, Lucy was my favorite of the Pevensey children. That's Peter, Susan, Lucy, and Edmund's last name. And I still have a soft spot for her. She's so loyal. She's so steadfast. She's so brave. And as she's referred to at the end of the book, she is so valiant. But in one of my readings, it was Edmund who I had the most compassion for and who quickly became my favorite character. He's he's a little tied with Lucy, but I think he's still my favorite. I think it's because we see such a change in him from the beginning of the book to the end of it. And we see as the books progress, the deep change that Aslan's sacrifice wrought in Edmund's life. He doesn't stay the same. He still has some of the same tendencies and personality, but his life has been completely changed by Aslan. He is not the same as he was before. And this is all because of his understanding of Aslan's sacrifice for his life, because it is Edmund and his betrayal that Aslan dies for. It is a very personal sacrifice. If Aslan had not given his life, Edmund would have, by right and law, been executed by the White Witch. 
because under the laws of Narnia, he is deserving of death. And Edmund, in all his defiant and bratty selfishness, can represent us. This much I knew when my heart was pricked for him. But I've always assumed that Edmund, as unpleasant as he is from the start, went wrong when he came to Narnia and ate the witch's Turkish delight. Like Eve with the apple, Edmund was corrupted only by the witch's forbidden food. Or so I thought. On this reading, however, I discovered something new. Listen to this quote from the last chapter. It's after the battle with the white witch and her army. Edmund is injured and he's near death when he's revived by Lucy's cordial that she receives as a gift from Father Christmas when the spell begins to break over Narnia. C.S. Lewis writes, When at last she was free to come back to Edmund, she found him standing on his feet and not only healed of his wounds, but looking better than she had seen him look. Oh, for ages. In fact, ever since his first term at that horrid school, which was where he had begun to go wrong, he had become his real old self again and could look you in the face. And there on the field of battle, Aslan made him a knight. I just love this so much because not only is Edmund's brokenness healed from when he came to Narnia and ate the witch's Turkish delight, but also his brokenness from his world. Edmund is completely restored and redeemed. He's returned whole and healthy to his siblings. So perhaps this gives you a little taste of why I love Edmund so much. And maybe another time I can dig more into the other characters in the book. There's so many of them. There's just not time today to share them all. But, oh, I love Tumnus and Aslan, of course, is oh so wonderful. But of the children through the series, these two hold a very special and dear place in my heart. I love how C.S. Lewis not only calls to mind the incarnation with the appearance of Aslan, which I haven't talked much about, but read the book and see if you discover this on your own, and the story of our fall and redemption with Edmund, but how he also looks ahead to the renewal of creation. The Apostle Paul says in Romans that all creation is groaning. I love that description, waiting for Christ's return. And maybe I'm slow to make the connection, but on this reading of the book, I saw the arrival of spring with fresh eyes, the description that Lewis brings to the story. All around, the citizens of Narnia can see that spring is coming. Even the children who have not been in Narnia long, don't even know all of the ins and outs and secrets of Narnia, they can see that something is happening, something is changing. The White Witch especially, knows that this heralds the coming of Aslan and instinctively that her hold of Narnia is weakening. And just as the description of Satan in Revelation, that he knows his time is short and is wreaking havoc on the earth, so the White Witch seeks to do the same. And it's worth pointing out that, as I said, the children can see the change. They're, I've already said how they're not familiar with Narnia, but not only that, they don't know who Aslan is. So they don't know that he's coming. As I said, they just know that there's a change. So not only is a spell broken, but the created world of Narnia is also, in a way, proclaiming the good news of Aslan's coming. It's preparing the way for him, and it is bursting out in joy at the promise of his imminent 
arrival. It's given me a bit of a new way to look at the world around me and to notice the signs of of God's touch on the world and his promises that can be seen even through nature, of his desire for beauty, the way that it's bursting forth, waiting for his coming. If you haven't read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or if it has been ages since you've last read it, I hope you will pick up a copy and reread it or read it for the first time, and that you will find yourself lost in the world of Narnia that Lewis created. I'm hoping that God will use this story, as he has for countless children, to draw many more tender lives to him and that they would discover the beautiful truths hidden in the story. It is a series that begs to be shared and cherished from one generation to the next, and I cannot wait to share the full series with my sweet girl. It is such a beautiful picture of the coming of Christ, as I've already said, and it's especially magical to those who are tender in years. I am so thankful for the countless productions and adaptations of the story that continue to keep the flame alive so that it is not forgotten and that it will be enjoyed and will haunt the lives of many with its truth, goodness, and beauty. Well, that is all for today. I hear my little one calling, and so I'm going to have to sign off. And again, I'm very sorry that this is such a short introduction to the book or or my thoughts, my rambling thoughts on it. But I hope to do a longer episode on it sometime in the future and include other books in the series. The Horse and His Boy was a childhood favorite of my younger brothers. I read it aloud to them and it has meant a lot to my family. So I am eager to rediscover that when I share it with my daughter. So maybe in the coming years, look for more episodes to pop up here and there, revisiting the world of Narnia. I will be back in two weeks. And if you would like to connect in the meantime, you you can email me at beth at a wellreadlife.com. I am sometimes a little slow in responding, and that's just the busyness of being mother to a five-year-old, but I will always respond. So don't give up if you haven't heard from me in a little while. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your suggestions. It means the world to me. So please do reach out if you have anything to share or if you just want to start a bookish conversation. You can also DM me at wellreadbeth on Instagram. I'm not on there posting much, but I do see DMs and I try to respond in a timely manner. Well, enjoy the beginnings of February. We will be shortly looking for the first appearance of daffodils in our front yard. We have a lovely patch of daffodils that start to appear around February. So we will be picking them and decorating our table with them as we do our schoolwork in the morning and letting them just shower our table with their beauty. So enjoy your reading. Enjoy the first days of February. Until next time. 